This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, another week, another podcast. And uh, man, it's a cold one during the Midwest. Um, lots of snow. I think we got about eight inches right now. I'm been working a ton, but no excuse not to get your guys' episode out. Um, this week, I'm starting a new um, series, um, Difficult Conversations, Episode 1. Um, this is basically basically like a rundown of my good buddy Garrett's um, podcast um, from Last Breath. They did a uh, Hunter Cur- Hunterversy podcast, and I really enjoyed those. And uh, I don't feel like enough people heard them to get good conversations going. Um, so... You might agree with what I say in these, you might not agree with what I say in them, but it gets you thinking about the topic, um, and in the end, it's a conversation, and, you know, it's just it's sound over the airways, so uh, don't get really, really um, heartache about it. Um, just try to think about it in my perspective, and I'll also think about it in your perspective. Um, so this week, I talked with Nick, Jake, and Easton, and uh, we talk about drones, um, and they're used for s- not only finding animals, which <clears throat> we are, we're kind of on the fence about, but the surveying of animals, um, surveying of bucks on property with the use of a drone um, with thermals. Thermals is my big um, kicker in this episode. Uh, but this is episode one of the series. There'll be multiple more. Like I said, I'll probably um upset some people but it's good to have these conversations and not enough people do it so um difficult conversations episode one here we go now before that it's going to be able to make this possible <clears throat> exodus outdoor gear you guys know that the new cell cam is coming out 
um, the video that they're talking about it is going out today, um, this evening. So if you guys are interested in Exodus and you want to get the best that they're offering, this new cam has it all. Um, it's a rival body with better internals. Um, they're talking about the Exodus app on this as well. Um, so it's going to be kick-ass. Um, make sure you use my code um, WLP or WL, excuse me, WL. That'll save you money at checkout even on these new cameras. Um, so if you're in the market, make sure and check out their live. Um, they're going to be on Facebook, Instagram um, live. Make sure and check that out. Um, I did share a link on my page. Um, if you want to find it on my Facebook page, you'll be able to link through there. Uh, Breck Broadheads. You guys know that ATA is just around the corner, <clears throat> excuse me, and their uh, new broadhead will be coming out on the shelves for the world to see. Um, if you guys are looking to get in the broadheads early, um, wanting to make a purchase, like I said, make sure and use that code WLP, um, save you 15% at checkout. I'm going to continue to work with Matt throughout the whole entire year this year. I'm really happy to support him and his dad and his mission um, just to create a broadhead in his dream of him and his dad's company. and. I love the success that they've had and um, love supporting them. So if you guys are looking for a broadhead, check that out. Um, next but not least, the call-out of the week. Um, last week, I wanted you guys to impact someone at the gym. I did that multiple times, um, and I had some really good feedback. I had some guys just give me nucks or whatever, um, but I had full-blown conversations with people that are trying to get back in. You know, they've had a kid or what. This week, I just want you to reach out to um, an old buddy that you haven't talked to for a while. Maybe it's been a few weeks, maybe it's been a few months, maybe it's been a few years. Um, and just whether it's a Facebook message, a comment, a private message, just reach out to him and just see how he's doing. Say what's up. Say, you know, if he's got kids, ask how the kids are doing, ask how the wife's doing, how the work is. Um, and just rekindle that relationship. Um, after talking to people this week, I feel like <clears throat> there's a lot of people that have, you know, these friend relationships with, with other dudes. And um, when they start having kids and getting jobs and stuff, they lose that relationship with those guys. Um, and they're probably losing relationships with other guys as well. Um, you know, other friends that they used to hang out with because they're having kids. So it's good to rekindle those, even if it's just a, a quick conversation over a text message or whatever. Um, just reach out to them and see how they're doing, man. You might be able to strike that friendship up again and have another guy, another asset um, that's going to want to see you succeed and, um, you know, be able to chat with him but on other difficult conversations except hunting-wise. Um, so, uh, well, with the weather, we uh, had a little technical difficulty. I lost power there for a second, and uh, everything shut down. My soundboard shut down, um, and I was talking for a while and realized that nothing was going on. So, um, to get back into it, reach out to that buddy, see how he's doing. Hopefully, like I said, you can make an impact, whether with you or with him, one or the other. Um, and like always, if you guys are looking to get any first form products, protein, uh, creatine, pre-workout, um, greens, reds, any supplement, fish oil, vitamins, um, anything like that, make sure to reach out to me. I do have a code you can use and I also have information on every single product to make sure that you're buying what you actually want, um, and what you actually need. Um, you know, if you're wanting to get into the, if you're working on your fitness and you want to get into the, uh, the nutrition side. Um, and, uh, it's really hard to get, I'm back on a semi cut and it's hard to get the protein intake, um, when you are cutting sometimes and those protein shakes, especially for a busy guy come in clutch. And I've been on the chocolate banana here recently and it's probably my favorite I've ever tried. Um, so, um, if you guys are in the market for any of that, make sure to reach out to me. I can hook you up and, uh, at least give you some information. 
um, and give you a code to use to track everything, and uh, we can work together and hopefully get your goals. Um, the accountability groups, if you guys are listening, huge shout out to you guys. Wow, I mean, you guys are doing the 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 step up um, right after the new year of the guys working out, being accountable, calling people out, helping each other wake up in the morning. Um, people, you know, messaging people at 5 a.m. and saying, "Hey, dude, you up? Let's let's get this day going." And uh, sharing their workouts, pictures, and when they go to the gym, and have, you know, the guys are talking about they got more energy, they're happier, they're really satisfied with where they're going. They don't want to lose this drive. And uh, that's what I made those groups for. Um, I want to impact as many people as I can this year. And those groups are just a small thing. And uh, also the accountability book club um, that we started. Uh, really cool. It's really, really cool stuff going on in there, too. So started off with three or four guys. And I think there's like 12 now. Um, so that's really cool. Um, people want to, to be a better Christian, be a better father, be a better leader. Um, and, you know, go through this book together and talk about what we're struggling and uh, be kind of vulnerable in there, which I think is cool. Um, good, good place to do it. Um, but if you guys are looking for any of that, reach out. I'd love to chat. Love to help you out. Like I said, that's my goal for this year is to make impacts. Kind of like this conversation I had. Hopefully this makes an impact with someone to get them thinking about, you know, like me when I first seen it. I thought it was something cool. And now it's um, turned into something else for me. Um, so. Let's uh let's get into the show. All right, we got a full uh full phone wave. Not wish it was a full house if you guys lived a little closer. But we got some full phone waves. We got Nick, Jake, and Easton. How's it going tonight, boys? Going well. Thanks for having us on, Cody. It's always fun chopping it up with you. Yeah, I uh I was looking at your guys' shirt the other day, and I was like, I want to talk to these guys again. <laughs> and uh, that's a nice ass shirt, dude. You guys have any more of those? You guys went all out on the quality on that thing, dude. It's one of my yeah. – my wife's like, you always wear these, like, five or six shirts. I'm like, yeah, because this is really nice shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, we got we got some laying around still. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I had to scoop up a couple more. I'm like, I, I, I like it, man. I like it, but – um, go ahead. I don't and, think I don't think any man needs more than like five shirts. Yeah, I mean, I got like my five, six solid shirts that I wear, you know, that I really like, and then I have like the gym clothes. Other than that, it's just <laughs> kind of whatever. But go ahead and introduce yourself, kind of um, say your name, and then just so people can uh, associate your voice, and we'll go from there. All right, Nick Miller here, and brother Jake beside me. We sound very similar, so go ahead, Jake. Yeah, Nick's probably gonna do a little bit more talking tonight, uh, but I'm I'm Jake. We do sound very similar. We're uh, just shy of two years apart in age. So not only do we have the voices in common, we've got hobbies in common and you both look, of our hairlines. Are yeah, similar. you look pretty similar too. I mean, close, <laughs> not exact, but pretty close. Yeah, and then you got Easton here. I'm kind of the odd man out. I'm just a friend of these guys and do a lot of, uh, a lot of hunting with them. Yeah, hey, before we get – deep into this congratulations over the years of just absolutely slaying out on bucks i need to have you guys on a podcast just to talk about that because you guys have been crushing it the last couple years i don't know how long it's been since i had you on an episode a while but um it might have been the legend of the woods episode from way back um but uh man you guys have been killing some awesome bucks man so so congratulations to that i appreciate it all right well we'll get into the reason that we're here and uh it's been talked about on a lot of podcasts, um, the drone deer recovery, um, thermal recovery, whatever you want to talk about it. Um, and the, 
the object of this podcast is to have a conversation, not say it's bad, not say it's right, not say it's wrong. Um, just have a genuine conversation with buddies. Um, and then I would like everybody to state their opinion at the end after um, we go into a few things. So the one thing that I wanted to start off with, just to kind of give an idea, I like to break things down in perspective because you see it on social media. And right now it's kind of overwhelming. There's a lot of people talking about it. Um, his YouTube, the YouTube's all about it's growing. He's The podcasts are growing about it. People are talking about it. So, um, how big of an impact does this actually have? So, in in Illinois, there's 158,000 deer harvested in 2022 to 2023, or 2023 to 2024 season. Um, so, 158,000 deer. So, on average, what what the state says now, this number, I want you guys' opinion on this. They say 15 to 20 percent uh, loss rate. So 20% of 158,000 deer are lost and not recovered. I personally think that's low. What do you guys think? My gut reaction would be that it's low. Uh, At least here, I think there are a lot of landowners that maybe don't necessarily take the time to check in deer. Uh, And I also think that there are probably – that would be a difficult thing to track. Yeah, it's it, not, it is. It's and not what, issued by license. Yeah, what they what the the way that they're tracking this in different states is they're basically taking like a thousand hunters and having them report if they killed anything and lost it or shot anything and lost it, and then they're taking that number and timesing it by you know how many licensed hunters there are or how many deer were killed. So. 15 to 20% is their vague terminology of how many deer are, ki- are shot and lost, okay? So you're talking 31,600 deer in the state of Illinois that per- were potentially lost this year and not found. Um, so out of the licensed hunters, there's 289,922 licensed hunters. Um, so the... A lot of them are like me. They haven't killed a buck yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of these guys that probably killed two bucks. Um, so if you if you take and say that say that thermals were uh, they were legal all the way across the board, okay? And let's say thirty one thousand six hundred deer were lost. How many how many percentage of people do you think could afford drone recovery and would you would use it? You think 5% would, of that 20% would use it, a quarter? I would say the, the an important thing to consider, too, is of those 31,000 deer that are lost, what percentage of those are antlerless deer? Yeah. Because it's already it, – I mean, it's, it's a fact that people are far, far, far less likely to – hire and pay for a drone recovery service or any kind of recovery service, whether that be a dog too, um, to try to recover an antlerless deer. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. That's a, that's another topic I have down there. So let's just say there's 31,600 bucks that were lost last year, you know, and it's 20%. How many of that percentage do you think would actually utilize drone recovery if it was hundred percent legal? You know, we know we're getting to the cost of it later, but I'm thinking 5% would be high. Yeah. I mean, my gut would be, my gut would be less than 1%. Yeah. So if you're talking 5%, 
that's uh you're talking a half a percent of hunters that would u- utilize that that technology to find a deer so we're talking about a very i just want to start this off with we're talking about a very very minute amount of people that are using this technology but it seems like it's so big and vast because everybody's talking about it it seems like everybody's using it you know what i mean but we're talking a half a percent of the Illinois residents, if it was legal, would have potentially used it. And I, I, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that'd be 1,580 deer that would be used that year in Illinois, which when you look at that number, you're like, that's a lot for people to find. You know, 1,580 deer. I mean, that seems like, it, it, I don't know how many one, one company could do. Um, but I feel like maybe one or two a day would be max, you know? Well, well, I will say, you know, speaking of the, the percents and everything, we, we're small town, uh, hunt private ground, not, you know, out on some big public. And we've all had run in with drone recovery services this year. Mind you, again, we're hunting private ground and we've, we've had interactions with either the drone services themselves or people using the drones or drones flying overhead. So it might be a little bit more in certain areas. Um, but uh, what was the last thing you said there, Cody? I was going to 1,500 that would have been recovered yeah. by, by a drone. Yeah. I, there was something else I was going to add in there, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. That, I think in certain areas that might be higher and I'm sure it's only growing. I mean, it just seems like, we're just three guys that don't hunt a ton and we've had run-ins all of us have had run-ins this year with them it, it, i don't know that that seems like that number might be a little bit higher in my eyes i i get where you're where you're going at with this and it's nice to have numbers to at least talk hypotheticals um but we we've heard uh that these drones are flying off the shelves. I'm sure there are people who are purchasing them that aren't offering their own drone recovery services. It's just for their own personal private use. Maybe they're using them for something else in addition to recovering deer. And also, this is an issue that I have with DNRs in general. There's gotta be a better way to get reported data than just self-reporting surveys. Just in scientific literature in general, self-reporting surveys are highly inaccurate so if they're just sending an email survey and asking people to fill it out that like you said the number of deer that have not been recovered based on that survey data is probably way low just because of the way that people self-report in surveys in general what i was going to add in there it came back to me now um was the 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 drone service that i ran into and i spoke to he had mentioned he gets or he he has done between eight and nine a, a day and gets just calls all hours of the day like has to turn his phone off it's so absurd so i I think it's not uncommon for you know especially during the rut to be doing you know 10 10 calls a day it's it seems like it's a pretty quick process you know i turn the drone on fly it up there it is small block of wood yeah it seems like it's pretty easy 500 bucks yeah it's pretty easy to uh pretty quick some of them it seems like they struggle a little bit more um but like you said, they this is getting highly more popular. There, I mean, there's ads for locals in my area in Illinois doing it, and people are on there commenting on the Facebook page that they're starting. This is illegal, 100%. Like it, and the guy's still advertising it, like trying to represent it and grow the business of it. Um, so, like I said, it is growing. It's even in my my small neck of the woods. 
Um, but I was just trying so to keep this. So it's a- illegal. It's illegal in Illinois, but this guy is just pl- playing on the fact that th- it's a gray area. Or w- yes. what do you mean? Yeah, he's playing. So this guy is playing on the fact that the w- the way the law is written, that it, it's like like we spoke before. It it's a gray area, but to me, it's a moral gray area. So there is a lawsuit ag- written against some of these drone companies from Illinois and other states, and they have written, you know, they have gotten lawyers and sued them back that says, hey, I'm legal to do this because of the way the the law is written. It's not written correctly. Um, so this guy is, you know, looking, he, had, he has purchased the drone, which they're not cheap. They are expensive drones. And he's trying to grow the business underneath this umbrella of, well, it says that it's illegal, but it's not illegal. But even in the state of Illinois, you can't scout deer um, with a drone. It specifically says that. Um, so it all comes down to, similar to Ohio, your interpretation of the law. Yes, yes. Same thing in Illinois. It's it's your moral standing of your the law of how far you want to stretch it, which you can do that with a lot of laws. But sure. people see this as a quick, easy, fun way to make a lot of cash. I mean, like – the average cost through throughout the Midwest and and these other states is about 450 bucks, um, and then 100 bucks if they find the deer on a lot of occasions, and then mileage on some jobs depending on the distance is what I'm what I'm picking up from what I'm reading on multiple yep. different outlets. So you're talking 550 if you're finding your your deer, more than likely a buck, more than likely a big buck at that. You know, a lot of like you said, a lot of these aren't they're not looking for does, they're not looking for small bucks. They're looking for giant deer, which I get it. I understand that. Um, but like I said, the the reason I laid it out like that is because it's it's nice to have a perspective of where it is now and what it will be, it could be in the future. And even if it's still like this, what is your guys's you know what is your guys' opinion on it at the end after this conversation? You know, a half a percent of licensed hunters that actually use this service and you know, find their deer because the more there's the moral grounding of like you use the service, but you don't find the deer. Is it illegal then? And that's in some of the laws. Like, can we do this if we don't find the deer? And that's how they're trying to word it, because if you're not using it to harvest, you know, an animal that you shot, then it's not illegal in some states because you're not using it to harvest the meat. You're using it to fly around. And look at like in, in Kansas in some areas you can fly around and scout for 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 deer with a drone. That's legal, but it's not legal to find carcasses with the with a drone. You know, so they're trying to use the vague determination that if okay if if half of the percenters use or half a percent of the hunters use this, and then you know a third of those guys we don't find the deer, is it legal for us to still? have them guys pay us to fly around their property. So what, what I see happening is they, the way, the way they could get it legalized was they figure out a way to say, Hey, uh, we did, we're, you're only going to pay us if we don't find your deer. You know what I'm saying? Cause then it's yep. legal, you know, then it's legal. We're going to come fly this around. If we find your deer, great. If we don't, then you guys can pay us now. Who's to say they found – it's just an honesty whether they found their deer or not, right? Right. You know, so you, you're getting into a, the gray area of the law where you can pretty much stretch however you want to do it. Um, 
But what, what's your guys' opinion on the half a percent? Do you think that's accurate or low? Half a percent of hunters? So you're talking half a, like – Half a percent of licensed hunters would use – would would have the opportunity to use this. You know, if 20% of people used deer drone recovery that, that found a dead deer, that would be half a percent of licensed hunters in Illinois. I feel like that's – So that's not including – some of the other services yeah, they that's offer. Yeah, that's just because that's that's the moral standing that the that they're having, right? Is we're we're finding we're finding these deer that would be dead and and just a carcass out there. That's the main push, um, the main driving force behind it. Um, so in my mind, half a percent is probably low, but it's still it's it's still fifteen hundred eighty deer. You know, like I mean, that's a shitload of deer if you put those you know, in in one area or one state. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of big bucks not found, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think it may be a little low, but. So, yeah. Okay. So we got the perspective of what the impact looks like as of now, probably low in our opinions, but we have, at least we have some kind of spectrum on what this is actually doing other than what we see on social media or what we've ran into and seeing people do. Um, so we got into the cost a little bit, you know, we're talking 550 bucks plus mileage. Um, I, I know a lot of people could afford that, but man, I mean, it would, it, to me like that much money just to be straight up, it, it would have to be, like you said, it would have to be a big buck. Like there's nobody in my opinion that it's going to spend that kind of money to find a doe, just like you were stating. So is everybody in agreement to that? Like, there's nobody out there using this for for does. Correct. I mean that's just yeah. that's just off the off the complete market. Now, what if what if just to play devil's advocate, what if we what if they had a doe service that was less cost and it's it's doe recovery only? What would you guys be okay with that? I, I mean I. I think our stance, and, and I don't want to get too far ahead here, is just if it was being used, whether it's a doe, a buck, a little buck, a coyote, or whatever, I don't, you know, if it was used to just simply recover the deer, go for it. Great. That That's awesome. That's not what's happening in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think the other states either. Now, having said that, I'm certain there are people out there doing it the right way and not abusing the technology. However there are also a lot of people taking advantage of it and, and, and indirectly sometimes too, you can, you can, you can go out there and be the most ethical stand up guy and call a drone service. And while that drone is in the air, quote unquote, recovering your deer, you are also going to learn what other bucks are on your property, where they're bedding, where they're feeding, what they're doing, how you could potentially access and hunt them, how you could tell your buddy to access and hunt them the list is endless. So even if you aren't intending on using the drone or abusing the drone, just by being present and watching the screen on the remote control, you are gaining valuable intel that you will use in the future oh, to 100%, aid in your hunt. 100%. I have that kind of down the, down the line a little bit, but we can touch base on it now. When, you know, when you're watching the, the videos of this going on, like, to be able to find that deer with a the thermal, um, I've coyote thermal hunted, and 
like you just see an outline of just so people that maybe not not familiar with thermal you just see an outline of of a you know a deer or a coyote or a cow or you know whatever you you can't you can't be like oh it's got a rack let's check it out like you have no idea what it is um so and if if you utilize this service you are seeing every single deer where it's at with no i mean they're flying 250 to 400 feet above the ground like there is no there's no pressure on this deer it's in its natural environment and you're seeing literally every single deer on your farm and then you're zooming in 200 times and knowing exactly what deer that is you know and like yep. you're saying you're most definitely going to use that um to your advantage and that's when you get into the herd herd tracking which we'll get into but in in that scenario which this is a question i want to ask you so say say one of you guys you shot a giant buck right and now you have utilized this service and you have found the buck it's still alive okay it's shoulder shot bedded you know exactly where it's at it's daylight you're like okay i got the right wind I could sneak in there and get a second follow-up shot. Is that ethical by any standard of hunting? And like a lot of them use the Pope and Young as the ethics um, of these companies. They're using the Pope and Young. They're using that as an example. Would that be ethical with Pope and Young? Yeah, I don't know. That's tough because, again, like the way I believe Ohio's law is written is that you cannot use it to aid in your hunt and – by most people's definition, you know, walking up and stalking in on a deer that you found with a drone to put a second arrow in it would be you're still hunting. So, I mean, to me, that's that's not ethical. However, uh, kind of to look at it from a different angle, is it ethical to leave a deer that you know is wounded? I mean, obviously, our goal should always be to put an animal out of its misery if, if you've wounded a deer. So that becomes kind of a, a very sticky point. Yeah, and that's that's where you you get to the, like I said, the moral standing of it. Um, now, a lot of states, if this it's illegal. If you could use the thermal and go in there and kill that deer, it's wounded. What what is to say that using a handheld thermal during the day to locate bedded deer and hunt them is is not is not moral. You know, it's it's just not it's not a drone. But it's a handheld thermal that anybody can purchase that are way more reasonable price. And I don't know if you've ever used a handheld thermal in the day. Have any of you guys ever used a handheld thermal in the day? I have not, nope. Okay, uh, so they are so good, you can see birds in trees. You can see squirrels jumping from tree to tree from 400 yards. That's hmm. that's how good they are. It, it is mind-blowing how good they are. Um, so... In my my opinion, if someone was to look and say, yeah, it's this is legit. I feel like, you know, I'm going after an animal um, and I can use this drone service. I'm 100% okay with it. They have to be 100% okay with me using a handheld drone to go in there and hunt deer. Because who has more of an advantage? The drone obviously does, right? Because he knows yep. exactly where the deer is. I'm just using it to aid in my hunting. But I bet you... Most of the hunters would be like, no, that is not that is not fair chase. You're using a drone where these deer can physically not hide 
in timber, if it's somewhat open, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that open. Like, it is mind-blowing how well these things pick up heat. Um, they pick up tree heat pretty pretty good, um, and it has to be like a cloudy, kind of misty, shitty day. Um, but if you're going to be okay with drones flying over and finding your deer, you have to be okay with your neighbor going and using a handheld thermal to hunt deer. Yep. And I, I think that's where we have to be careful with what we yeah, allow here. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah. You just keep stretching that and, and that could be the next thing. And then, and then what is it from there? Is it the drone shooting them from the sky? Is it, you know, it, we just have to be careful, I think, on the direction we take this because at some point we're going to have to draw some sort of line. This is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult topic in the world at large today because of how often language is challenged and used in ways that are not conventional let's say but like i mean a hundred years ago if you were talking to somebody and you said yeah i'm gonna go hunting on saturday everybody that had any affiliation with hunting would know exactly what you're talking about and today the word hunt needs to be defined does it include the recovery of your deer does it include the scouting does it include your trail cameras and we don't we don't have a clear cut legal definition of words like hunting and recovery and um, take take. There's all sorts of words that we don't have legal definitions for that that make make these discussions difficult to have because nobody's talking on the same wavelengths. Yeah, I 100% agree, and that's where I was going with that. So so a guy goes, yeah, I I, I think it's okay to use a handheld thermal. Well, now I'm going to mount that on my gun and use it as a scope. Now I got a thermal scope on my gun. So now not only am I going to find the deer, I'm going to use it in shooting the deer in the daylight. And I'm going to be able to find this deer in, in its bedding or, you know, I mean, it's just insane how well these thermals are. It, if you've ever got one in your hand, like, especially like a high quality one, um, the black heat, uh, man, if you ever get a chance to use where the heat turns up, shows up black and everything else is white. It is mind blowing. You can see the racks of these deer. Like that's how good they, they are. It, it's just, especially if it's cold out and there's snow, if there's snow on the ground, it's just insane. But um, the, only, the reason I know this is from as much coyote thermal hunting as I've done. Because when you go to set up for calling sequences, you're scanning the field and they are loaded with deer. I mean, you would just shit by how many deer are out there just feeding around at night and gigantic bucks out there feeding around at night, you know? And yep. it's the same thing in the deer, the, the daylight. You can see those racks and tell if that's a buck or a doe with that thermal in the cover. Like, it's just mind-blowing how well they are. And like you said, that's when the law is going to get stretched of, okay, we're okay with drones now for recovery, um, but – now I'm going in to recover a deer that's that I potentially shot. I'm not sure if I got a good shot on him. I'm not even sure if I hit him. But I'm going in to recover this deer with this thermal because that's legal. Recovery with a thermal is legal now, um, whether it's a drone or not a drone. So now there's guys out there on the ground with thermals hunting to recover their deer. Because I don't know about you, on a lot of the recoveries that I go on, I'm hunting in there if I don't know that deer is 100% dead. You know, you're not just tromping through there like with no bow, no gun. You're you're 
pursuing that animal like it's alive until you realize that it's dead, correct? Be- because it's still a part of the hunt, and that's yeah. where we kind of have an issue is, like, we put a poll out on our Instagram and ask people if they think the hunt basically ends when you release the arrow or if it continues until that deer is tagged and in your truck. And 100% of the people said the hunt is still is still active. It still continues after you release that arrow until you either do or don't wrap a tag around that deer. So that's why we're confused why so many people are, you know, kind of like pro drone when, it, you know, that that's still part of the hunt. You just mentioned how you're hunting in there. Yeah, we're reading sign. You're looking at the blood. You're making your next decision based on what type of blood you see, how he reacted after the shot. All of those things are still the hunt. So to say that, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just recovering my deer. Well, that's still part of the hunt. Whether he's dead or alive or not, so your tag's on him. And the reason that's a difficulty is because in a lot of states right now, the laws that are currently on the books say that drones can't be used to aid in the hunt. And the distinction has to be, is the recovery part of that yes, endeavor exactly. or is it yeah. not? Yeah, that's where it was ironic that some of the people that responded to our poll that said it's 100% for sure part of the hunt are people that are very pro drone. And so then it becomes a point of, well, if that's your stance on it, then you technically side with us, essentially, because the way the law is written, at least in Ohio, um, yeah, if you think that recovering your deer is part of the hunt, then then technically you're on the, you know, the, uh, I guess, against the drone side of things. And I believe in Ohio right now, as long as you land that drone, that you, there, that you you can pursue it, you can chase it, you can whatever. So, you know, you take the drone up, you locate it. Okay, land the drone. I know exactly where he is. He's dead or alive. I can go, I can go pursue that animal. So, yeah, it just gets yeah, real, real sticky. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. And a lot of times I'm wondering, like, okay, they cut they, – a lot of times they cut – okay, yeah, we know where he's at. Let's cut the film. You know, on a – do you think that they're watching them walk in? Because I know that they show videos of, like, the hunting party in Thermal recovering the deer, which, I mean, is that aiding in the hunt of that deer at that point? If you way, haven't landed that, landed that drone? The way it was described to me is if you – if the deer is dead, you can go – you can leave the drone in the sky, and they can call you and walk you straight to it. God. If it's alive, you have to land the drone. If you don't land the drone, you can go pursue it, but without a weapon, which, why, you know, why would you ever do that, right? Yeah. That's how it was described to me from a drone pilot. So, yeah, the, 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 what you're describing, you know, a party of guys walking to it with the drone still in the sky probably confirmed it was dead, and I believe the drone pilot and the said hunter have to both agree it's dead. And then they can, at that point, if it's dead, they can do whatever they want. You know, keep the drone in the air, walk it right to them or whatever. Wow. Crazy. Like I said, that's Which to it, us, too, this this doesn't really get into the moral thing, but let's, like, it, it kind of shocks us, too, how many people just jump right to that. Like, we have so much fun blood trailing deer and making those calls and those decisions and watching them after the shot and coming back to camp and deciding with your buddies, okay, you know, he was – flickering his tail and he ran 40 yards and then he walked off it's probably this hit here's what the blood looks like so many people i mean we had a guy tell us oh we don't blood trail there anymore we just take the drone up and it's like man that's kind of a bummer that's so fun i can't believe people more people 
you know, I, you know, I know there are people out there just like yourself that love that aspect, but how many people just go right to the drone without thinking twice about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's one of my questions down here is like, do you think this is a one time or two time thing? Someone shot a big deer, they're going to use it. Or do you think that they're, someone's going to use this continually and this is going to be how people track deer, like percentage wise, if it was legal all the way across, you know, people aren't even going to be going and pursuing deer because with anything, the more legal it is, the more people that are doing it, the cost is going to get driven down. Um, you know, the people aren't going to be, the people are going to be competing with other people. And now it's going to be 200 bucks for some guy to come out. You know, it's going to be half price, especially if it's a local guy, you know, um, do people even pursue deer anymore or do they just call the drone guy? You know, and that's, that's something that we have to see in the future, but I could see a lot of guys just being like, why, why would I go in there and not know if he's alive or dead? You know, and I'm yeah. just like, man, that's the moral, that's the moral thing right there. Like, if you, if he's alive, you can't pursue him, or you can pursue him without a weapon, which makes zero sense at all. And I would say that if someone spent the money to get the drone there, and they relocate that deer, they if they're not hunting it then, they're hunting it the next morning. Like they're not waiting. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're 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 making a move on that deer for sure. Um, just like the buck that I shoulder shot this year, I wanted to use that as an example. I shoulder shot a deer, seen in bed, wide open CRP field. Okay? Not a tree around anywhere. If I used a drone, not even thermal, just a drone, I could have went up, flew over there, and figured out if that deer was alive or dead. 100%. Like, without a doubt, I could have, not even very much drone experience, I could have found that deer with a drone. Now, now I know how that deer's facing, which way he's looking, which way is the wind's blowing, how can I get on that deer to get a follow-up shot, you know, without even using thermal, which I think I think that's the the line drawer for me on these laws is drones are bad, but thermal is even worse because that's going to open up the door to a lot of other people that are like, well, I'm just going to stretch the law. I'm going to – it's not written correctly, so I'm going to use a handheld thermal or I'm going to use a thermal – gun to pursue bucks you know um but i could have i could have known exactly where that deer was with very little effort and then you know I, so if a guy flies that drone over and the deer's alive say it does this the does the hunt stop there because you can't pursue that deer with a weapon so in theory you if that deer is alive and potentially could die tomorrow you can't go track that deer, correct? No, you as long as you land the drone, you can. As at least in Ohio, every state's yeah. laws are different. Yeah. So as long as you land the drone, you can pursue that deer however you want. However you want, take your bow, take your gun if you had it, whatever you want. As long as that drone hits the mat that they fly it off of, that, that's how it was explained to us by a drone pilot. In Ohio, right now, if you land the drone, you can do whatever you want with that deer. And see, I think that's I think that's an it's a perfect example of where the definitions of words aren't sufficient for yeah. people to have clear cut understandings of what the law actually reads. Because the law doesn't read that specifically. It doesn't say drone pilot must land drone before hunter can pursue game. It doesn't say that. It says you can't use drones to aid in the hunt. 
So they're saying if it's landed, it's no longer aiding. It's no longer used in aiding a hunt. And so the, the definitions of words in our, in our legal processes has not caught up to the technology that's being utilized. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, if they would come out with something and it was an actual law, then you can't flaunt the guys. But the, guy, the guys that are just kind of, especially the one here in Illinois that multiple people have said that it's illegal, it's written that it's illegal. The DNR has told them that it's illegal. I, and I've talked to him, and he said, well, some some people, some DNR tell me it's illegal and some don't. I'm like, well, how is that a thing? How do some, you know, DNR agents not know if it's illegal? Are they interpreting the, the law in a different way? You know, I mean, everybody knows you have to have a hunting license. You know, I mean, then you can't interpret interpretate your way out of that. Um, it's it's a written law for hunting for a reason. Um, so, it, like well, said, and the the word license is clearly defined. It's yeah. a piece of paper issued by the state that you must have in order to in order to pursue game animals. That's that's a legal definition that is clear cut, and the the drone stuff just isn't. It's not there yeah. yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, maybe that's what the, that's the problem. It's just the state was like, there's no way that people are going to go so far to use thermal drones to recover deer. And then now we're there and they're like, Oh shit, we gotta, we gotta figure out something, you know? So, I mean, I think we're all kind of on the same stance of recovery. Um, I'm, I'm against it. I, I believe that it's, it's tough. It's tough because you're, I mean, people aren't going to like this, but I think using the aid of a drone to to find your game. I know it's sad that the deer is out there dying, but we've already we've already said that you know a low number is thirty one thousand six hundred deer die because we hunt that aren't harvested every year in Illinois. That's just in Illinois, okay? So the impact of deer that you're making, and that's kind of why I broke down the numbers. You know, let's say you made a five percent impact on that deer herd. I know it's still, you know, 1,500 deer, but, I mean, that's not, not that many deer, you know, out of 31,600, you know, that you made an impact. So, for me, I think the, the cons outweigh the pros, and I'm going to say I'm against recovery with a drone. So, what, what's your guys' opinion? Yeah, I, I would uh, 100% jump on board with that. I think <clears throat> unless you can convince me that somehow uh, – using these drones will overall improve the quality of deer hunting, uh, specifically in Ohio or obviously where you're at as well. I just can't see where they, they have a place in our sport. I mean, if, if I came to you and said, Hey Cody, uh, would it be helpful if I told you today you're about ready to go out and go deer hunting? And I said, would it be helpful if I told you where your target buck is at right now? Obviously you would say, yes, that'd be very helpful. If I had the drone up in the air one hour ago and had located your target buck, that is 100% legal where we are at. And I just don't see how that is sustainable for the future of deer hunting and, and quality deer hunting. And, and the reason why that's legal in Ohio is because you can do a herd survey. So yeah, I guess you know, technically that would aid in your hunt. But yeah, now guys are finding these loopholes of like, oh, well, I'm just doing a herd survey. Well, you can... I mean, I just saw, I don't, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I just saw a post on Facebook this week. It got deleted within minutes, but 
the guy was marketing his drone service not for recovery but for herd surveys he he claimed he could tell you every buck on the property and how many points it was so you knew like the dominant uh like antler uh genetic or trait on your farm he marketed zero pressure zero scent and it's just like is that really the direction that we want to go i think we all just need to really take a hard look in the mirror and like is this really what we want and i think it's probably perfectly normal for human nature to you know want things to be easier but when it involves a limited resource like the white-tailed deer that's you know that's not necessarily a good thing right if we're a a construction worker and we found some better easier or more time efficient way to complete some task great but when it involves a deer right a limited resource like the white-tailed deer and we're becoming so so effective at killing them this is the last thing that we need that's true but even in even in your construction example there are certain additives that they put in concrete when they pour parking garages that make the concrete set up faster but severely reduce the structural integrity of that building so easier isn't always better even in a construction environment that's that's just across the board easier is not always better it has to be vetted um so yeah i i 100 agree so you know we've been talking about it but now that we've broken down the actual tracking and what I consider harvesting of deer with a drone, we're going to talk about the herd management point, which before we even dive into that, I'm 100% without a without zero hesitation, I'm against this. Like not even remotely close to being ethical or responsible as a hunter or anything. Now, there is one exception that I would like to say. If you're in texas and you got a high fence ranch that's thousands of acres fly a drone over that thing as much as you want dude because you're i mean in my opinion you're farming deer or you're farming you're not hunting um so i i I have no no cues about that you can do that as much as you want if you have a high fence area where the deer can't escape anyways do do whatever you want you know, because you've raised those deer, you know? Yeah, that that's yeah. not a public resource. Yeah, the issue yeah. is when you get into the public and that no longer belongs to one person. So what one person's deciding to do affects something that belongs exactly. to the state. Yeah. So in Ohio, is it legal to do on public land? That I don't know, but I, I'm, I, I'm I think almost, so. I'm almost positive it isn't. Um, I'm not 100% oh, sure isn't. about Ohio, but I know most public land – even in Kansas, when you can where you can scout deer with a drone, you can't do it on public land. Are you asking recover or just no, just, just do like a herd just, survey? Just fly a drone over it, like just fly a drone over it and look for deer. Not not even doing like a herd survey. Um, so state owned ground is it legal to fly a drone over and and look for wildlife? Because a lot of states have different rules. Like some states you can, but you can't do for birds. Or you can't, I mean, it, there's so many different laws to to this. But most every state, if it's public land, you're not allowed to use drones. But that I didn't know. Be. I'm not sure. On I that. didn't know about Ohio. But I know. I'm trying to look here, yeah. but I don't. It's, yeah. It doesn't seem very clear. Yeah. I don't think, from the rules and regs, because I've got the DNR app on my phone for ohio they've got a handy app that you can use to check your deer and find hunting and fishing regulations and i don't see 
anything in the hunting rules and regs for the state of Ohio related to drones and public land at all in conjunction with one another. Yeah, there's nothing. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, if there's nothing, then it's legal in most people's mind, right? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. so you're not only allowed to, you know, to do it on private ground, but you're allowed to do it on public land. And we'll get into the private land, private ground stuff as, as well. So, um, and I know there's a lot of people that have, you know, they're for trail cams or against trail cams or against cell cams or for cell cams. The aid of, because it gives advantage over other hunters that might not have an advantage over the game. The aid of a guy who has a thermal drone on public land over every other person that's hunting that or the guy that hires this company to come do a herd survey on this public land that say let's say it's 3000 acres i mean the the advantage that that guy has is astronomical compared to your regular hunter right yeah and here's the thing if you ask the three of us about cell cams you know we all run cell cameras but if they were to get rid of them we'd be we'd be the first one to turn them over yeah um but you're exactly right with a cell camera they miss so much with that drone like you just said you can pinpoint that deer's exact location you can have 10 cell cameras in a 50 acre block of timber and you're still missing deer Uh, sure it still it still could potentially give you an advantage but not like the drones can yeah so so if if herd if herd if they allow herd or scouting for deer to be illegal all the way across the you know across it people with the means will hire these guys and say, Hey, I want you to do this block of public land. And I want to know every buck that's on it. I want to know the biggest buck and I want to know where he's feeding at. And then I want to know where he's bedding at, which they could find, you know, especially if they come out early in the morning, gray light, they're going to be able to thermal that deer and figure out where he's bedding off of that. Um, now they're going to be able to go hunt that said deer, know where he's feeding, know where he's bedding with nothing else than paying someone 450 bucks or 500 bucks to come scan that property and figure out where that deer is. Now, yeah. if people are still saying that's ethical means to to promote and legalize drones you know, without any recovery, I don't even know what to say to change their opinion in my mind. The longer you sit here and think about the different ways that this can be abused outside of even involving finding a deer and targeting and pursuing a deer the list goes on and on and i actually heard a story it's funny you're talking about public land this past week there's a particular guy from ohio that is notorious for being a absolute giant killer on public land um and we have some bigger bigger parcels of public and southern portions of ohio and he puts in the time the dude scouts his butt off and obviously, you know, people talk all the time about to find the big deer, you got to go deep, you got to go deep. That's no longer a uh, barrier of entry when you involve the drones to be able to take that thing up in the air and you fly it a mile deep into this public land. that Otherwise, you would have had to tie your boots up and walk back and found, you know, scouted out beds and scrapes and whatnot. So what they ended up doing is people recognized his vehicle at the access and as soon as they realized whose vehicle it was, they took their drone up and actually found him in his tree stand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing. You can locate every hunter that's out there, you know, and like, I mean, without them knowing, 
you're 400 feet up, you know, and yeah. you hire this guy to do a herd study, but he's going to be able to pick up human thermals, like he's easier than deer, more than likely. I mean, he's going to be able to see everything. He's going to be able to see where people walked if they walked there, you know, remotely close. You know, it's time. not even. It's insane how well they can see. You know, the with the thermals, it's just. It's not even hunting at that point. Like it, no. that's no, that's no longer even hunting anymore. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's why we're so concerned about it, just because of, you know, similar to you, just the way we were raised hunting and and well, what we fell in love with, and it's just like, aside from the abuse and what it has the potential to do to the the actual deer herd in some of these areas, just like. The, the fact that to, to some people that's now what hunting is you know you you barely even have to leave your vehicle uh, yeah. you know what i mean like it it's just it's scary it, it's a scary place to, to be yeah so to play devil's advocate you know okay we're 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 not hunting we're not hunting public land i worked hard my whole entire life i bought this 50 acre block i own it and i want to know what deer on it what do you guys feel about that why would you do that? Do deer live on fifty acres? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what kind of what I'm getting at. But I could see that being an argument. You know, I want to know what's on my property. I'm putting food plots out for these deer. I'm feeding these deer. I'm mineraling these deer. I'm growing these deer. I'm putting all this time and effort in it. I purchased this ground. You know, this eighty or whatever it is. Worked hard for it my whole life, and I want to know what deer are on it. I could see that's that being a huge argument for for hunters or for, for a guy that wanted this to be legal. Yeah, I can see that too. And it, while that is true, and while you can put in a lot of hard work to improve the ground that you bought, that is the limit of what you've purchased. At least in the state of Ohio, I if you have like a major river running through your land, that's public accessible ground. As long as they're floating on the water and don't set foot out of their boat onto the the silt bottom of the river, they're on public ground because you you don't own the water that's on your property, just like you don't own the air. You also don't own the game that's on your land. You just own the ground itself and maybe the trees that are the resource there. Um, a good example of this is <clears throat> I buy 50 acres of ground somewhere, let's say, we can just use West Virginia, okay, 50 acres. And uh, realize that there are uh minerals underground well guess who has the rights to come in and claim the mineral rights from your ground the government you don't own those minerals so just because you own the ground doesn't mean you own everything that's on it unless like you mentioned earlier with your texas example unless you high fence it and contain everything in it that's that's all public resource. All the game animals are public resource, even though you own the ground. So, yeah. I, mean, I think that's kind of a that that would be an argument. I don't think that's an argument founded in good argumentation and debate principles. Yeah, I could just see, like I said, I could see that being a pursuing drive for the legalization of this herd management. You know, especially if someone has a giant block of land, they're like, well, ninety percent of these deer never leave this block of you know three thousand acres you know if they have a giant piece you know they're going to say well these these deer never leave this ground 90 percent of them don't so i should be able to know what's out there and then you get into like i said they're investing the money the time the food plots the minerals um and people a lot of people in hunting even you know 
even if you own a small practice, they they think they own these deer. Like they're putting the work in to hold the deer. So if the neighbor kills them, they're upset because they feel like they own that buck. You know, the yeah. reason that they've, they've done the work and that's why the buck's there. Um, but with these herd management, um, you know, they're advertising these herd management for an area. You think that that guy's coming out and saying, hey, you only owe, own 20 acres. So the only thing I legally can cover is that 20 acres? Or do you think he says, all right, anything within a quarter mile of this, I'm going to cover? Anything within 1,000 well, yards, I'm going to cover? That's right. Just just like I mentioned, landowners don't own the airspace above their yeah. property. So you can fly your drone over wherever you want to, and there's no issues there. So, I mean, we had, we, we had that happen this year. Easton had a drone flying over private property that he's the only person allowed to be hunting on. It's like it – yeah they can and then and then you get into that you know yeah it's like it's like you're okay i need to recover this deer i don't have to ask permission if i think it went on the neighbors i'm just going to go look for it with a drone and then oh, then you God. can take it a step further and say well i don't also see anybody on the piece right now maybe yeah. i don't have to get permission i'll just slip in there real quick and grab it oh, here's yeah. here's something that i i will offer up as my own personal opinion and i'm i'm going to uh, I'm I'm going to name drop here because I think it's an example that everyone will be able to relate to. And the guy's name is Bill Winky, who used to own a large property. I think it was a thousand acres plus in Iowa. And there probably were a lot of deer that never left his, his land. And in that situation, he might have very good reasons, namely uh, EHD, that he would want to utilize the drone service in order to monitor the deer that are on his ground. And while he doesn't own those deer, they, they may never leave. And it might be worthwhile for the deer population at large in that area, pending an EHD outbreak, for him to know certain information that a drone could provide him. I still don't think that that would be morally acceptable to do, because why, why would you have the access to that advantage over everybody else that owns private ground with public resource on it. it it just doesn't make any sense to me so like like you said at the very beginning the entire discussion about using drones for herd surveys seems only acceptable in situations where you're talking about high fenced properties where they're farming deer that they own which is uh, which is trackable by, let's say, ear tag number. If if that's not your case, I don't even think this should be up for debate. Yeah, I can't even believe like they're offering. I, they 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 have the 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 balls straight up, just the balls to offer this as something that they do. Like on most deer recovery websites, it's like one of the main things they offer. Um, and I could see like where people were like, well, I want to know what the doe numbers are compared to my bucks to know if I need to kill more does or, you know, I don't want my deer numbers to get too high. If there's a bunch of deer and they're, you're not sustaining well, I could kill, you know, kill some does or some bucks to get some nuisance permits, et cetera, to lower the deer population. I could see all the ways people would try to make it okay. Um, but in the end, you're, you're, you're like we said earlier, you're knowing this guy, you're, you know, is advertising every buck, what points it has. You're going to know the biggest deer. You're going to know kind of the age class because you're going to be able to see the size difference of the deer. 
Um, you're going to know where that deer is feeding. You're going to know what where that deer is bedding. Um, you're going to know where the does are bedding. You're going to know where the does are feeding. You're going to know what bucks are on the north end of your farm, what bucks are on the south end of your farm. I mean, I, well, and I had I had somebody say to me too. Well, what well what if they just made it legal outside of the season, dude? Come on, like a uh, a uh, uh, deer in the late season is a deer in the late season. We know that they tend to habitually do the, pretty much the same thing year after year, pending you know changes in crops and and some things like that. But you know, so then you could take it up what a week after the season ends when they're on a late season pattern still, and just apply that next season. Like, it wasn't that this guy's marketing tactic, which was the ruts over the deer back to doing their normal thing that they do the whole rest of the year, less time time to do a deer herd survey. Yeah, it may have been, but it just to, to me that's not a good argument either because that you're still gaining valuable information. That's it, it may not aid you. It may not aid you tomorrow, but it, it's still going to in the future. Yeah, people are gonna be out there scooping sheds like crazy. <laughs> Got to fly the yeah. drone up and see if my buck dropped yet. <laughs> nope, he's still no carrying. I'm not gonna. Go I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> not gonna go look now. He still got him. He still. Well, got speaking him. of speaking of sheds, you know something you know other than the recovery of a deer or a herd survey. You talk about sheds. We also have gotten into turkeys. Now you're going to have guys that are bored in the spring, go take oh, them up God, and find yeah. exactly where these turkeys are roosted and go in there and set up, you know, 30 yards from them in the dark and blast them in the morning. Like, yeah. that's that's terrifying too. That's a bad thing with the handheld thermals and the other, I mean, the, that them in a tree is just, yeah. you can see a coon from a thousand yards. It's, oh my word. It's insane, guys. I'm I, Thermal with a turkey in the spring if i mean i know there's going to be some cover leaf cover at that point um, but you're still going to be able to see those guys and it's it, it like if you're walking around the woods early early season leaves aren't on heavy and you had a handheld thermal you would be able to know where every single turkey's at on your farm from a thousand yards i mean that's how good these things are it's just mind-blowing um sickening yeah, yeah. And not to backtrack too much to the thermal stuff but you had mentioned it earlier guys mounting these things on their crossbows that's something we're starting to run into in ohio is these guys putting thermal scopes on their crossbows and obviously if you've been around deer for any time at all you know that generally if you have a you know a corn pile out or something they're most likely going to be there right before light in the morning and just after dark in the evenings and so there are guys capitalizing on that and they're getting into their tree stands an hour before light in the mornings and taking shots in the dark because they're able to see them sitting there at 20 yards. And the enforcement side is super difficult for that. And I actually talked to a game warden here in Ohio and he's saying essentially there's virtually no way to catch these people. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, some of them would look different, but a lot of the thermals, like the smaller ones for sure, um, would look like a, like a normal site with just kind of a square body with a normal scope with like a square body. It'd be really, really hard to catch um, that person. And then the person would be able to say, well, I'm cow hunting. Yep. You know, and I'm, that's, a, that's the exact point he and, made. And, and it's such a, uh, like I said, it's a moral standing of the thermal industry. And it just seems like it's really catching base. Um, the last couple of years, the thermal coyote hunting stuff, I know it's been around, um, but I, anybody listening that has the opportunity to go and thermal coyote hunt, I would suggest you do it. One, it's, it's incredible 
like it's some of the coolest hunting you ever do because the coyotes have no they are a completely different animal you can literally if it's dark out not like a full moon i don't know if you guys have done it at all you can literally stand in a picked cornfield and hit the call and they'll come right to you like they they they're they're understanding of danger is not there they're still going to try to win the sound but they're going to run 40 yards from you and you're going to be standing with no cover behind your gun in the middle of a pick cornfield pick bean field nothing around you and these cows are going to come running in i've had packs of four run in to to 60 yards and it's just mind-blowing and like you said the law gets stretched and okay it's okay it's okay to for a drone to be thermal to recover deer now i'm going to get a handheld to recover now that's going to be legal um it's legal to herd management with a thermal so now i'm going to get a handheld and be able to herd management with a thermal before i walk into the field in the morning i'm going to be able to scan that field and see if any deer are in that field when i leave that night i'm going to see if any deer came out of the to that field after i got out of their hunting and it's all legal because they've made herd management with a thermal drone legal. So what? why is a handheld thermal any different? Yeah, and I think this all just goes back to what law could be created to curb any of these loopholes. And short of just banning thermals in deer hunting, I, I don't see any way to stop this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like drones, okay. Recovering with the drone, okay there's some laws to that but the, they could nip the thermal right away and that's the that's the big ticket where they're lo- being able to locate everything they're locating every if you fly a drone up without a thermal it's going to be much harder to locate these deer just straight up it, it's uh, it until you've used a thermal thermal and seen what it can do um you're you're real it's so eye-opening um, but if they could just say that, you know, that's the end thing I had down here. If they would, could just say thermal hunting, thermal recovery or hunting is not allowed. That is illegal. Then all the stipulations of drones for aiding in the recovery of deer could still be vague. If they just said you cannot use thermal. Like, I mean, that would X out all this. And then you wouldn't have this rabbit hole of laws because if somehow one of these lawyers gets the recovery of deer or the herd management of deer with a drone legal with thermal in one state, every single guy is going to have a thermal handheld thermal for 800 bucks. And he's going to be able to locate these deer when they're supposed to be safe in the dark from thousands of yards, you know, with them not knowing you're there and you're going to know exactly where this deer is. Imagine the power you're walking across the cornfield in the morning and you're, you're going in. You don't know if you're bumping deer or not. You have a thermal. You scan that field. Oh, shit, there's two. There, my shooter's out there. Like, you're not going to walk across that field and bump that deer off that field. You know? It, you're, yeah. It's not going to happen. Is it going to help you kill that deer? Potentially not, but you're going to know where that deer's at. You're going to see him exit the field. Okay, he exited with does this direction. I mean, the, and it's there's laws with thermals for hunting, but there is, it's a, it's a vague, it's vague, man. Like I said, it's vague with the recovery or the scouting of deer. Um, so that's where I see the, I see the drones as being a problem, but I see it opening up the door to endless problems of 
like I said, where do we draw the line with technology where guys with crossbows are out there thermal coyote hunting or thermal scouting with a handheld thermal and then knowing where the deer are at? You know, I mean, you got guys now too that are, you, you just said, where, where does it end? They're using the drones now. I mean, they, the, the drone services have only been around for what, two years. Yeah. You got guys now that are flying hundred pound bags of corn out with the drone and oh, dumping them I so seen, they don't have to walk back I there. I've seen the freaking video of them taking the deer out with the drone. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this, that's it. I, I, that was where I was like, this can't, that you can't do that. That's not, that's why we've said like, like, you know, it, there's there's levels to it, you know, like, yeah. and I get the moral at this, you know, of going and finding a killed, a, you know, a deer that you killed, but now you can hire the drone guy to find the deer and hook it up and bring it out for you. Like this is gonna cost you an extra hundred fifty bucks, but do you want it or not? Like, I mean, right? That there's it's, there's lines to it where like, okay, this is not this is completely gone off the rails. And like you said, if they don't nip it somehow, that's what it's going to be. It's. I wonder, Cody, if uh, you you were making the point that the drone thing, so like, yeah, the the drone for recovery or whatever herd surveys is kind of not not the greatest. But if they allow drones to remain, and they allow drones to use thermals. <clears throat> Then everybody's going to want a handheld thermal to do the same thing because exactly. it's a process legal. Yeah. I wonder if it's the lack of state agencies' ability or willingness to legislate on the the handheld thermals that have been around a lot longer that has emboldened the drone pilots to utilize the thermals the way they are. So I almost wonder if it's the reverse order it because could be, the DNR yeah. didn't take action on the handhelds. Now guys think that they can push the laws to fly thermals instead of just have handhelds because the DNRs never wrote legislation to say that the handhelds were not okay. Yeah, I could, you know, that 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 could be the, the adverse effect. I'm sure there's a guys listening to this that have been using a thermal for years and years walking across the field in the morning or scouting turkeys or, you know, shit, I've heard of people looking for morel mushrooms with them, with thermals. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just like what you know, and that is that that's a thing, and they're like, yeah, that's a thing. I'm like, mind blowing to me, like that that's a thing, you know. Um, but they put off a heat that's different than yeah. leaves, you know. And, and that that technology is only going to continue to get better, dude. Too. If it gets any better, I don't know where. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know where. What? Like you can see, like I said, you can see deer through brush. In some instances, like if it's not very, very dense, you still get a heat reading on the other side of that brush. CRP, non-existent. Like it's, that's not there. Like you can look right through that stuff and get heat signatures of deer there, deer there. Like, or a lot of times you're going to, if you're far, you're going to be like, okay, there's a deer or coyote or something over there. You know, like there's a heat signature over there. Um, But a deer in a field, my God, a mile. You can see it from a mile. It's just, it's not, not good, you know? Um, and yep. it would, it would be, it would be crazy to know how many deer are killed that way during gun season illegally um, because they stand no chance at all. I mean, zero. 
yeah, all of this for me, it just goes back to the fact that the quality of the hunting in Ohio, at least, is obviously on the decline. If if hunting was just as good as it was 15 years ago and there was a 150 behind every tree, I'd have nothing to complain about regardless of what technology was in the sport because I'd still be able to hunt the same way I want to, and that would not be with any of this technology, and I'm still able to kill a good buck every year, and that's great. However, we've reached a point where there's so much technology, some of which I take advantage of, like cell cams and sometimes corn piles, that I don't necessarily want to use, but since it's going to be allowed, I feel obligated to use it to keep up with the competition around me. And I think the thermal technology is no different. Like Jake just said, if everybody's using them and everybody's stepping up their level of hunting and I'm going to be expected to do the same, otherwise I'm not going to shoot a buck, then you feel obligated to do it. And I think that's where the state needs to get a grip on some of this stuff, because how many more times can we step up the level of, our ability to hunt when the deer's not getting any better and the quality of hunting is just going to keep going down the crap right the deer is the same white tailed deer that native americans used to hunt with friggin slingshots and atlatls and spears and stuff yeah and here we are with thermal drone technologies rifles that can shoot a thousand yards like there's there's we have every possible advantage we could ever want above that game animal and at some point you just have to say look enough is enough it's not worth it anymore that's why too it's also not as impressive when people shoot big deer i don't know who was talking about that but it's like it's it's becoming too easy which is a kind of a whole nother topic but it's you know it used to be something when somebody shoots a 150 and now it's just like it happens seems like every every day you know it's just like and it's i think because of all this technology it's just it's not it's not near as challenging as it once was and and now with the drones and all these other things you hardly even have to step out in the woods you don't you don't have to know how to read sign and look at the topography and the lay of the land and you don't have to do any of that we're on our way to you could be a 200 inch whitetail hunter and only have stepped out of your home one day of the season in order to make that happen whereas 15 20 years ago you had to hunt your butt off it was a once in a lifetime thing yeah yeah you know the 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 thing that i don't want to see happen which i know has probably already happened so say like you know someone's using it on their private ground okay someone's using it on their local public ground okay still not okay with that but say i want to go to your guys's neck of the woods and i hire a guy and say hey i want you to go i'm going to pay you a couple thousand bucks I want to make this trip worthwhile. I'm going to Ohio. I want you to go scout every single piece of property that I can get on in herd management, and I'm not even in the state. And then you tell me what's there. That is yep. where it's like, okay, this is a serious problem. But people don't think, oh, yeah, I'm sure that's happened. But people don't think big term like that. They're thinking, oh, my neighbor's doing it. It's a pain in the ass. I don't like it. But they're not thinking, okay, I'm, I am a big buck state and this is legal in my state, how many out-of-staters are going to pay for this? Because they're already paying to travel up here. They're already paying for a tag. They're going to pay to do this on all these public lands. They're going to pay to do this on this lease that they got next to me because they can afford it. And they're going to kill more bigger deer because they're going to know what's there and where they're at. Or I mean, what about what about this example? Because one of the things that we've seen encroach on our 
uh, private ground access in Ohio, especially is the uh, influx of outfitters that are leasing ground. What if you've got an outfitter that has a thousand acres of ground and does herd surveys with drones to advertise specific bucks that you can come and hunt, even though it's not high fence because they've landlocked everything in that area by leasing it? Or what if they fly the drone to do their herd surveys and they realize three quarters of the mile, three quarters of a mile down the road from where my, my leases end, there's a 220 inch whitetail running around. I'm going to go over there and offer that landowner whatever they want so that I can have someone come and hunt that deer. And now I've just kicked all of those people that had permission to hunt that property out of the way because I forked over the cash because I know someone from out of state's going to pay a pretty penny to come and hunt that deer. And now, now we are moving to the European model of hunting, which is private ground, private resource, and really only the rich have access to it. Yeah. And that, that's not what our country was built on. And that's certainly not what, conservation and hunting was built on in this country yeah i mean that's and like i said people were thinking short term or just they're not thinking like that they're not thinking like holy shit i could lose my you know people are going to know what deer on my property every i gotta think these deers are deer is secret anybody from everywhere can know that this deer is here if they fly a drone over and see it and imagine an outfitter out there that could go located the last week three times in daylight with a drone buy this blind, <laughs> like come and hunt him, right. you know, here's, here's, you know, twin tower located three times the last week in daylight. We located, <laughs> we, lo- we located him yesterday and he's here 3000 bucks to get you in the door. Like, I mean, we're going to see that if it's legal, you're going to, you think that's crazy right now, but you're going to see that. Well, we, we already see that because of outfitters running cameras. Yeah. They already advertise the the deer that are on their property with cameras. But that we know that cell cameras in general, trail cameras, don't capture everything that goes on. But a drone would. Yeah. And so while yeah. they might say, yeah, we've got this buck running around. He's been in this field three times with the drone. They can say, we know what trail he uses he's to get right past field. this blind three times this last week. You know, like, I mean – there's a pretty good chance that he's going to do it again. Come down to, you know, double buck horn ranch, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I can see it right now. Add on Facebook, you know, yeah. like, and, and they're going to be like, well, we, we got it. And like I said, they're going to use the argument. I'm running a business. I've, I've paid to lock up all this ground. I, this is my livelihood. Why would I not use this as an advantage so I can get more hunters to come in? Like, I mean, that they're going to, they're going to use that. That's what was funny in the beginning when all this first came about is all of these things we're talking about that have happened were speculation. Yeah. And the people behind all this drone stuff was saying that's that's ludicrous. We're we're gonna use it for just deer recovery. It's gonna be great and fine and dandy. And now we're not only going based on speculation, but getting to see these things happen and the, the longer time goes on, the more and more things that we didn't even consider are playing out. And I had a situation this past uh, this past fall, just a month or so ago, where during Ohio's firearm season, there what it appeared to sound like was guys driving deer with drones. And I don't know if you've ever been close to a drone at ground level, but it sounds like a helicopter essentially. And we've inadvertently 
flown drones while capturing video in the summertime near bean fields and the deer are terrified of them at low levels yeah <clears throat> and so what it sounded like is guys were driving deer with the drone and i'm sitting there watching this all play out and they would fly the drone up and you'd hear a bunch of guys shooting and then the drone would land and then the drone would go back up fly around here and they it, come boys it, exactly and that that's what it sounded like is essentially they had a guy manning the controls and had standers that were ready and they would push the deer from block to block and they'd have guys ready and they'd shoot them when they came out wow disgusting yeah we got five, and, we got five the, we got five bodies coming at you guys they're running yeah, south it, like i mean it's probably exactly what happened and and yeah. to go back a little bit what you said there cody about uh um you know people probably think what you just described a little bit ago is crazy and all that'll never happen these outfitters yeah. marketing that or whatever like we had talked about on our podcast about like you know the trail camera right back in the 80s or whenever if you would have told somebody what these cell cameras can do now they probably would have looked at you sideways so like to think that these drones the opportunities are endless we'll just to say think, that and to think that we know what drones 10 years from now could be capable of is way overestimating our ability to predict the future right yeah yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I remember when I got my first trail cam, and I'm thinking, holy shit. And then I remember when I got my first cell cam, and it was the modem that went on the tree with the camera. That was huge. I was like, this is, you know, hooked up to a regular camera. I was like, this mm. is crazy. You know, yep. up uploaded twice a day. I'm like, wow, this is nuts. And then now it's, you can take pictures on demand. <laughs> it's like yep. it, it's you can set time lapses for time on food plots like it's just insane uh what like yep. you said what they can do um and like you said there there comes a line where i think even on cell cams there's like the live streaming i i'm not for that you know it's just we agree there's there's lines in the sand where yeah okay okay and then you hit a wall and you're like but everybody has a different wall you know sure and, it's just like I said, just the morals of what you consider fair chase or what you want to stretch yourself to. Um, but when it becomes live streaming like a drone, you can live stream a food plot and see 200 yards of it. Um, I, I think that's where I draw the line on that. But yep, um, we've been really throughout all of this, we've been really uh, pro dog using a dog to recover it. Yeah, yeah because like, that, yeah. People have questioned us, like, you know, how can you be for that and not the drones? Like, they're both the, the end game is the same for both, but dogs c cannot locate other deer for you, they cannot gain additional intel. They're, if anything, disturbing the property and running other deer off. Their, their sole job is to recover the deer. You're not gaining any additional yeah, you're hurting information. Your yeah, you're hurting your property by using right. that dog. I mean, right. especially during hunting so, season, in my opinion. Not to mention, and we've used a dog a couple of times, they're cheaper. Yeah. So you stay within the, the, the ethical, legal, moral bounds, and they're cheaper. And you still, we, we talked to our, our buddy who uh, has a dog to recover deer, and he says he's gone in after drone pilots have failed to find the deer and found deer with the dog. So you could even argue they're just as effective or maybe more effective. I don't know. But we should clarify because what we'll – there's two different types of failed drone recoveries. One is they fail to locate the deer in general. And two is they find the deer, it's alive. You don't go pursue it. And then guess what? 
24 hours later, 12 hours later, six hours later, that deer is probably not in the same bed and you've lost your deer because of that drone. So you've got two options at that point. You're either going to hire the drone to come back and do it a second time, which now you're, now you're talking over a grand sunk into this deer. It better be a good one. Or you're going to resort to a dog as. And you as know, a, it's the last bed, you know, six hours yep. ago. Yep. Yeah. Which we just think too, on top of that, like if people just spent more time paying attention, you know, after the shot or just doing the right things, not letting, not acting on impulse and, and yeah. you know, traipsing around right after, like you just check all the boxes, you've got shoot a deer, you're going to find the deer you're yeah. going to, you don't need a drone. You really may not even need a dog necessarily, but like, I think too many people, again, want easy. And it, it, I think if we just were better, I, I was real hung up on the woodsmanship side of things for a while. It's like, we were just better woodsmen, just better hunters and spent more time maybe, uh, focusing on those things we we wouldn't even need a drone in the first place yeah i think it's just patience man that's the problem it's just being more patient and literally if if you message me in the season and you're like i get it a lot people message me oh, i shot this buck i'm like wait till the morning like <laughs> that's my yeah. first, if you have any hesitation at all just wait just wait like yep. especially so if people are like well i don't want to waste the meat etc cetera, etc cetera. i understand that and some circumstances, maybe there's a big rain coming in or something, but that is kind of a rarity. You know, you people you see it, but a lot of times you walk in there, the deer, dead's deer, the the deer's dead in its first bed the next morning. Yeah, and the meat's fine. Like I mean, that's probably it's very situational, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, people message me, just have the patience to wait. I know it's a big deer. You've been hunting him forever, et cetera, et cetera. What is another eight, ten hours? of just waiting. I know it's hard, but just you've hunted him for three years. What's another eight hours in the time span <laughs> of what you've been doing? Like, and I burned myself on that, trusting other people's advice and going in on deer and lost a 190, 200 inch deer because of that, you know, not, I'm like, I'm going to wait till the morning. They're like, Oh dude, he's dead. He's dead. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. And went in there and jumped him up went on the yeah, neighbors and couldn't couldn't get uh permission to track him um so it's a dead deer out there um but you know that that goes into the other thing back then if i don't have permission to go on the neighbors what if i hired a drone flew it over there and then went to the neighbor and go okay he's right here he's dead you know he's 190 inches let me go get him like does the neighbor still go no you know, he just didn't want me over there trampling all of his shit because it was during the rut, you know. Um, so, I don't know. That's That goes to show you, like, you don't – they don't own the air, you know, so they can – those drones can do whatever they want. And the one thing I was just saying about the dogs, like, the dog's not going to come back and be like, dude, I jumped up a 180 out there. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> he ain't going to let you know, but the drone right. pilot's going to go, oh, here's a deer. Oh, that's a giant. Oh, it's still alive, though. Oh, where are you at? Oh, I'm over here. Oh, okay. Let me go find your deer. Like, You could, you could you know? even step up that argument one, one degree, and you could say, well, what if I mounted a 360-degree camera and a thermal on the dog? Now it's apples to apples. The dog has a camera and a thermal, and the drone has a camera and a thermal, and you will absolutely not learn the same no. amount of information from that dog as you would the drone even though they're outfitted with exactly the same technology yeah it's that being uh 
that bird's eye view, man. Yeah. Even get even even the the this the addition over the the years of all the mapping that's come out, dude. What a game changer that is. And that's yeah. not live live action, but I mean, you can see trails and you can see all kinds of stuff, um, ridges and stuff that, like I said, 30 years ago, guys would only have dreamed of. There's no way we'll be able to do that, you know. <laughs> like, but no, we can do it, man. We can do it. So, um, I I see like how, you know, there's like the stages of hunting where like eventually you get back into that sportsman stage, where you're just like, ah, you know, I've killed some deer and I'm just out here enjoying it. And I almost think it's just because it like it gets so complicated, even for us. At one point, it's going to be so unlike what we used to know that we resort back to that stage because we're just overwhelmed with what we got going on. Because you're just like it's not what it used to be for me. And even I'm getting to that point where you get so dead set on trying to kill the biggest buck, you know, and your season's a disaster if you don't kill it, you know, before. You didn't know what bucks were out there, so you didn't know whether you missed an opportunity on a giant or not. You know, so um, definitely changes over time. It, like I said, the technology is advancing, and there's no telling what you're gonna you're gonna be able to know. Oh yeah, he's got, you know, he's a twelve, but he's got a one inch drop tine and some base kickers, and he's got a limp on his left front leg, and he's missing a patch of hair by his right right hind quarter, and you never even seen the deer. Like you're gonna be able to know all that, you know? Like it's just mind blowing to that you can know all that and never never physically see the creature. Um, you can know where he's feeding, you can know where he's bedding, you can know when he's with a doe, when he's not with a doe. You know, uh, it's just crazy. And and the thing about it is, they're a big investment up front, but once you have them, they're pretty a minimal investment for a guy to run for years and years and years and years you know i've heard of guys making their money back in two weeks that that the one guy <laughs> runs an ad and said it made me fifty thousand dollars first year that's something interesting to point out is it doesn't sound like maybe it's the same scenario in your area but basically everybody around here is trying to get into it i see posts every day in these facebook groups i mean we have multiple guys right here within 15 minutes of our own houses that have been made the investment. And a lot of these guys are just goons that we know about who have advertised it as a service that they're going to provide. Sure. That doesn't include the people that have just had the cash and bought yeah. the drone for their own uses. Yeah. And these, these guys are just goons. And the guy that we use for his dog, he was telling us that it's very common for people to call these drone services on a gut shot deer and they'll show up an hour after the shot take the drone up in the air and say there's your buck right there in his bed give him you know 10 hours and go back and find him and you're good and take the 450 bucks and leave and then that guy calls him back 10 hours later and says the buck's not there and it's because a lot of these guys have no real knowledge about deer and deer hunting both the hunters and the drones the drone pilots because neither one of them are very good woodsmen they're not going to know that that deer could get up and move and rebed. And I mean, a gut shot deer can go a long ways And it. It's, it's funny. Like all the, the old wise tales, they don't go uphill. They always go to water and there's still people. I still see people post that shit on Facebook. Like, Oh, he's going to go to water. I'm like, is he really though? Like, I mean, <laughs> can, can you 100% guarantee that that's the 
what he's going to do. And people are just dead set on it because that's what they they know. That's the only thing they know, you know. And uh, it's just like my grandpa, you know. He, he don't listen to this show. So, you know, you go and listen to him talk about hunting. And he's still in the, the catalog, you know, reading the articles and et cetera, et cetera. And I went down there in uh, December, late December one year for muzzleloader season. And uh, as I'm going down there, I get down there and he's kind of, you know, I did this, I did that. And he's putting out doe estrus late December on wicks because he read that that second rut's coming late December and he's telling me all these spots that he's put out doe estrus because that's just what he knows. You know, like he's like, oh, this is what we do. And in my mind, I'm like, Grandpa, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a that's a yeah. terrible idea. You know, but I don't, I don't try to educate him more on hunting because he's been doing it a long time. I'm like, okay, now I know. Um, and he's like, when you go down there, make sure and freshen those up. And I may or may not have fake freshened some of those wicks up when I'm down there hunting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, but that just goes to show you, like the the technology changes and guys just kind of feel like they know everything and they're not growing in the sport. Um, and they are uneducated on what a deer would do. And they're just taking the word of the drone guy. Cause he's a specialist, but he probably just got signed up for this a month ago, you know? So that's what we're seeing here is just guys that see a very quick, easy cash grab. It's a good investment. They know they're going to make their money back. They have a minimal interest in deer hunting and think that's good enough. But they don't care about the resource. Yeah, and, and I could see it. You know, it it would be fun. It's fun as hell to recover deer, to see big deer, and and you're getting to see like, imagine those guys. They fly. They come out to your property. They are hunters, right? And they're like, shit. There's a there's five six deer over one sixty in this area. You're not telling me that the guy ain't trying to find a hunting property around there. You know. That's why I'm all talking about the local guys. I'm like, I don't want those guys anywhere remotely close to anything that I hunt because they're going to know exactly what's on there. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to tell their buddies. They're going to tell their buddy. If they're not hunting there, someone else is going to be hunting there. You know? It's one thing thing the neighbor's knowing, but another thing, this random guy that's your local guy, oh, he's your buddy. He's going to come in and know every single deer that's on your property or neighbor's property they're not going to come hunt that or try to get close to there. It's not going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to move in. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate this conversation. Like I said, I'm sure we'll get some feedback on it. Um, but like I said, we know our opinion. I'm not downplaying anybody that has opinion for it. Um, I know that there's pros to it. Um, I understand that, that, that there is, but like I said, the, the pros, the cons outweigh the pros to me. So I'm going to say it's a no-go um, for me. But uh, it's cool to have conversations with guys that, you know, can can relate. And like I said, I'm sure there's some guy out there that's mad that we're talking about this right now. Because um, this is people's livelihoods. People are trying to make money off this. And like you said, more, more than likely most of them, we had the, you know, the talk before it's a fast cash grab. They're trying to do it before the laws are strict and there is no drone recovery. There is no thermal. Um, my main thing is the drone thing. Okay. 
um, scouting with the drone, okay, but they need to nip the thermal shit quick because it's going to get nasty out there for the deer um, if there's any vagueness to that in hunting. So. Yep. And and you're probably right, Cody. There's probably somebody that's going to listen to this and be upset about it. But what we found kind of taking a pretty, pretty strong stance against it over the last, I don't know, four or five months or however long it's been is that there's a lot of people out there that once they if they're willing to to listen to a conversation like we just had where all of this stuff is laid out there there are people out there that are willing to change their mind we've had numerous people message us about this topic and kind of um disagree and and nothing really got into an argument or anything but once we just kind of lay out the stance that we just spent the last hour and a half talking about they've they've been like wow I didn't, I didn't even think of that. I did not think of it right away. So hopefully, you know, cause these tough conversations are hard to have and not everybody's willing to have them, but we're hoping through these conversations that people can kind of maybe look themselves in the mirror and think, man, is this, is this really a good thing? Is this really the direction we want to go? And there's of course going to be people that, you know, stick to stick to their narrative and, and you can't change their mind either way. But uh, it, it seems like there there are plenty of folks out there that are willing to to kind of hear hear it out and and be willing to change their mind. So yeah, and then then that's the main goal. Like if you're for it, great. If you're against it, great. Um, you know, listen to the topics and like we were like we were at the end there, kind of telling what we think it could be. I think that's where people don't stretch their imagination. They just oh, people yeah. are using it to recover deer, great. But they're not thinking shit big picture my buddy's gonna be able to hunt these deer because he's gonna know they're there or you know um you know the the outfitters gonna be able to utilize this and see deer from everywhere i mean the the people with money are gonna be able to fly over vast properties and cover huge areas of ag and be like all right this area is really good we got to get some shit locked down over here you know they don't see that as a threat they you they see it as oh people are recovering their deer that's great that's um, what it's it's yeah. being sold at a very surface level. And I remember I was at an expo, I think just a year ago in March, and I saw one of these drone recovery services. And I'll be honest, at that point, I hadn't given it much consideration. And when I walked by their booth, they had the drone there, they had the TV there, and they're, they're rolling footage of some of their recoveries. And truthfully, I thought it was really, really cool. And I thought it was a great idea because it's sold as – wasn't it a good thing to recover your deer? And obviously I don't think any of us disagree with recovery of a wounded animal is good, but it's when you start to dive into some of these potentials and not really just potentials, but the way that it is being abused that I just don't think our sport can afford. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had the same thing where I first seen it. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And then I was watching the videos and then I seen how many live deer they see oh, look at that big deer, and then they, you know, it's not even associated with the buck, not even the direction of the buck that they think the buck went after they shot it. They're just kind of going up in the air and seeing the heat signature and zooming in on it. Um, and then the, when they really got me was when they started advertising the herd management. I was just like, okay, guys, that's, like I said, there's levels to everything, and that was the level where I was like, I got I want to dig into this and – I really, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I really enjoyed your guys's podcast. Um, like, made me want to come in and and kind of give a little bit of perspective of how much it actually is going to impact as of now. Um, 
and then, you know, kind of just grow on some of the same ideas you guys had. Um, and we didn't even get real deep into the doe buck topic. Like, I mean, that's like the biggest topic of them all, I think, is nobody's spending that kind of money to go get the meat on a doe. I don't want to say nobody, but very, very few, very, very few, you know, half a percent of the half percent of people, you know, like very, very few people are going to be doing that. Um, I think for me, Cody, that's the sole reason why I don't think that the people making an argument in, in support of drones have a leg to stand on because they're like, well, don't you want someone to recover their deer? It's like, yep. Would you hire it for a doe? And if their answer is, well, well, I'd have to think about that, then their answer is really no. And then they're not about recovering the deer. They're about recovering the trophy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. those I mean, are two the, totally different ballgames. The, meat, the meat's there, you know, <laughs> which is great. And I know people are utilizing it, but they're not, they're not recovering that buck for the meat. Even if you're a hunter, you're going to utilize the meat, but you're not shooting a, a big deer for the meat. Like, that's not the reason you're doing it. And yeah. I can say that personally, which pe- that might offend people, but it's the honest truth out of 99% of people that are hunting big deer. If they just wanted meat, they'd be killing does or small bucks or whatever they wanted. They yeah. wouldn't be trying to kill these big deer. And that's what you said. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing it so we can harvest the deer and it doesn't go to waste. Well, you're wasting all the other does that you don't recover. Everybody's lost a doe in their lifetime. You know, I mean, it's part of it, uh, let alone a buck. So, like you said, they're they're paying to get the trophy, which that's the only way I could see it being valuable, like for the company. That's the only way they can market it to make money because they're not going to be able to say, hey, it's 450 bucks for me to show up and go find your doe. Nope, nobody's going to do it. You know? No, because you can go out and shoot an, another doe the very yeah. next night. Yeah. You can't go out and shoot another 170 the next night, yeah. very likely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like I said, that's the main argument where people really get, if they're going to defend this, they really got to come up with some good good ideas to defend why that isn't, you know, half of the calls that they get. Yeah, and they, we made that point, and we actually came out with numbers that were reported by one of these drone recovery services and I believe they had one single doe call out of hundreds of other calls. And we posted those. Those were factual numbers. And there was actually someone who kind of contested it and basically disagreed. And they posted their own poll, essentially, to try to disprove it and wanted to see how many people theoretically would call for a drone recovery service for a doe. And it was funny a majority of people said they would call for a doe. And what that tells me is that deep down, most people ethically know that that's the right thing to do. And that's the response that they should give in a poll. However, that, you know, cannot be argued against factual numbers that came from one of these services, but obviously that is simply not what's happening out there. And that's where the, the argument falls apart from people who say, well, don't you want people to be able to use these drones to recover their deer? And the answer is yes, but their argument falls apart because they aren't using it from an ethical standpoint to recover any deer equally. You just hit the nail on the head and you brought the conversation full circle because the poll you just laid out shows the bias in self-reported survey data. And so the self-reported, Cody, the self-reported number of deer that people didn't successfully recover in the state of Illinois, 
has to be far lower than what actually took place in that yeah, state. That's what I'm, this... I'm thinking. You know, 20% seems 20% of harvest deer, you know, so 30 out of 158,000 harvested, there's 30, 31,600 not. I would say it's probably close to 50 50, man. Because how, yeah. how many guys like have a bad year and they're like, or they're a new hunter? Oh, I wounded my first, my, my third deer this year. Can't find it. Didn't, you know, like, I know guys that do that yeah. every year and you try to talk to them and you know, you, you're, you try to be as positive as you can and, and you go like, dude, you got something going on. But a lot of it comes down. They're not, they're not shooting their bow until a couple days before season. Their guns not sighted in, but they, people, for some reason, I have no idea why people think you can go to a store and the gun sighted in ready to shoot. Like, Oh, I go bought this new 20 gauge for Christmas. I'm going to take it out low, late. I was talking to a guy at work t- this today. Bought a, a tactical 20 gauge for home defense, and he's like, Oh, I never killed a deer with a 20 gauge. I'll take it out doe hunting. Shot and wounded a doe. I'm like, Yeah, because you've never shot that thing at paper. But people just think, Oh, it's a gun. It's going to shoot. You know, they're just uneducated. And I'm like, You need to shoot that thing at paper and see how it does. You know, those are all things that we. Nick, especially, but all of us would include in the woodsmanship side of hunting, which includes knowing your equipment, setting your equipment up, practicing with your equipment to, to the best of your ability, make sure that you're lethal with it. Only, uh, only taking shots that you know are within your capabilities, the scouting, the trail camera data, the ability to read sign, the ability to remember what happened after the shot lock all that stuff away so that when you start your track job, you have a, a basis point to start from learning blood trails. All, all of that stuff is included in the woodsmanship side of hunting for us. And the drones eliminate a good portion of those things. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the reason that I added the percentages up in the beginning, cause it's nice to know kind of what you're talking about. And then it's also nice to know when someone says, how much of an impact are we actually having on the deer herd? You know, yeah. they're going to, they're going to have those numbers that I put out. Cause that's what yeah. you're going to pull up on Google. When someone yeah. has that argument, well, you guys have a big problem with this, but we're only affecting half of a percent of hunters, you know, in the state of Illinois, that's what yeah. they're going to say, which we know we've said is low, but they're going to use that as an argument to saying, how big of an impact is this really on the deer herd? Um, yep. But this is the first year where there's not very many. We've already stated that that's only going to grow and grow and grow. And it could be where guys don't even track deer anymore. It's called a drone guy. Cause like I said, the more people are doing it, the cheaper it's going to get, the more easy it's going to be. Everybody's going to have the, the thermal drones over the years. The technology, just like every technology is going to get cheaper and cheaper. Yep. So an everyday guy is going to be able to purchase one of these, you know, just like when the first computer come out. You know, it was expensive as hell, you know? Yes. We were, I was just talking to my wife about the freaking uh, flat screen TVs. Remember when they came out? Yeah. Two, three thousand dollars. You can go buy a 50 inch for $150 now. Mind yep. blowing. It's mind blowing. You know, like yes. crazy. And 10 year span, you know? In 10 yeah. years, is a drone, a thermal drone going to be a couple hundred bucks? Like, no, who knows? I don't know, but yeah. I can guarantee you they're going to be a lot smaller than they are today. Yeah, a lot smaller and sneakier and better technology, and those old giant ones are going to be cheaper. You know, it's yeah. just how it goes. So, 
But I, I've kept you guys up late enough, man. I really appreciate you guys chatting with me. Hopefully, like you said, this opened the eyes of some people to at least look into this instead of just seeing the videos like we were and going, oh, that's cool. You know, to kind of start thinking about those long-term effects that it could have, not only on the deer herd, but like your personal hunting, which I know you guys have been affected by. Um, so I really appreciate you guys coming on, man. Back at you, Cody. We always, we always enjoy talking with you and, uh, always, always rooting for your success. So we appreciate you, you having us on and, uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah. Before we hop off here, um, if people want to actually see your guys' hunting content, um, and not just your opinion on, uh, thermals and drones, <laughs> where, where, where can they find that at? It's the Venari effects on everything, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that jazz. Yeah. And then, like I said at the beginning, I'll vouch for you guys, some stand-up dudes that are killing good-ass bucks and really good quality videos, um, you know, so props to you. I know it's not easy to do, um, especially as long as you guys, long-term as you guys have been doing it, the motivation behind it, um, running all the brands. It takes a lot of effort, so make sure to check them out. Thanks, Cody. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. Um a lot to take in on that. Um, so main thing is, like I said, this is a conversation. You guys know our sides of it. Is it the right thing that we said? Maybe not. Maybe it is. Um, that's why it's a conversation that people need to think about. Um, I did break down how much of an impact it's actually having on the hunter or the herd. Um, pretty minute impact, really. Um, pretty high cost. And uh, like I said, I don't want to mess with anybody's livelihood. I understand that. Um but I don't want to see it go into, like, the scouting on other people's ground, the scouting on public, the all the things that you can do with this drone um, if they don't fix the laws and don't talk about it. Um, there's a lot of other topics I'm going to cover. Um, this is just the first one because it's kind of hot right now in people's minds. Um, a lot of people are sharing it. A lot of people think it's cool because it's new. And I just want to put a different um, – a different look on it and just say, hey, maybe it's not as cool as we think. Maybe there's actually going to be an impact that we're not realizing. Um, so hopefully you guys, like I said, enjoyed it, um, thought about it. If you don't agree, that's fine. Uh, message me, chat about it. I'm not the most educated person on the topic, and uh, there's probably a lot of things that I don't know about it that I could get educated on. Um, and uh, a conversation, I would love to have a conversation with someone. Maybe you've used it and you believe in it 100%, and it's something that you're going to, do for the rest of your life and never track a deer again. You're just going to call a drone and, and have it be done. Um, but you know, the big topic, the big, the big takeaways was, you know, the does, you know, are you going to use it for a doe and how much of an impact is it going to have on other people knowing what deer are there, um, from miles and miles away and being able to scoop ground, um, away from you that you don't even, you know, you wouldn't even think someone would know that there's nice bucks on there. You've been kind of a low key guy and, um, don't, people don't really know what you're killing, and <clears throat> then they fly over there, and they <clears throat> see you got a bunch of bucks out there. They start asking neighbors and stuff, and then they're on there hunting with you. So that's something to think about as well, because anybody could buy these, um, and it could be a pretty regular thing for someone to have and, and utilize. But like always, guys, appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Pretty long one, uh, but great conversation. Um, shout out to Nick, Jake, and Easton for coming on. Make sure and check out their brand. And uh, like always, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.